This morning we were supposed to start a new series, but because we've got next Sunday Pentecost coming, so I thought it would be inconvenient to interfere with the series. So um, God drew my attention three weeks ago to a passage of Scripture, and actually it came from the prayers in the morning. Uh, there was a passage of Scripture that the children were doing, so uh, I thought perhaps it's appropriate for us as adults to deal with that, because also it gives us opportunity to have conversations with our children. Um, so before, before I start, could I have a volunteer to continue with worship by reading God's Word publicly? John chapter 21, verses 1 to 14. So John chapter 21, starting at the first verse. <clears throat> Afterwards... Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night... They caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did... They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen. Thank you. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his word. So we've got, we've got this post-resurrection events happening. So Jesus has appeared to his disciples. Uh, y- you know, I'm loving John this year, so I, I have to come back to John. 
because uh, it's fascinating reading it from, from a different perspective. And, and John has, has told these stories many, many times, and now he, he wants to put them on paper so the recipients ha- get a hold of, of the teachings and the experience that John has had with the resurrected Christ. So, so we've got John here now. He, he's finished the whole purpose of the book until chapter 20. And the, the big debate that has been always is whether chapter 21 of the Gospel of John is written by John or not. I mean, actually, I believe it's John. Uh, there, is, there is no reason why he should not have written 20 chapters and then realized, oh, let's put an appendix. Every good book has got an appendix, doesn't it? So, so that, that's, what we, that's what we've got here. And, and John is, is giving it one more shot to the recipients to say, what does it mean to be meeting with a resurrected Christ, even as someone who has lived and, 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 and worked with Jesus for the last three years? And the story here is so raw and real. You've got the disciples, they've had the revealed resurrected Christ, And then you've got Peter, who decides to go fishing. What are they doing in Galilee? I've read several articles in the last two, three weeks, um, this morning as well, about the whole idea how we easily judge the disciples by saying that actually Jesus said to them that they'll get the task going from Jerusalem onwards. What are they doing in Galilee? They're all scattered uh, and they're all all over the place because they're afraid. But if you read the other Gospels, what the disciples are doing here, they're following the instructions of the angel when he says to them, you're going to go and meet him in Galilee. I think it's Matthew 28, 7, Mark 16, 7. That, 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 that. So, so in one sense, the disciples are on track with what Jesus has told them and how the, the, the angel has revealed himself. So, so they're not drifting in this way. But there is a point of drift here from from Peter, because although he has had the revelation of the resurrected Christ, the, 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 the temptation here is to go back to the default modes. Things that we are very good at doing as, as, as a sign of coping, as a sign of dealing, as a sign of actually maintaining. So, so, this is the guy who has seen Jesus. Not only three years, he's been one of the nearest friends. He has seen him come through the death and the resurrection. He has experienced him in a real, raw way because he has denied him. And Jesus has come and, and have forgiven him. And now, he says, I'm going to go fishing. Who's coming with me? Well, if we read John's records, there is seven disciples there. Which draws my attention to um, 
I, I, I've been really struck about this because, once again, it shows the responsibility and the weight of leadership. He's got an idea, and the six others follow him. Now, as we look back, probably this was not a good idea because actually they could have done something else with their lives because they've been given the, the, the mandate to go and make disciples. They've been given the mandate. They've met with the resurrected Christ. Yes, I know it's before Pentecost, so the Holy Spirit has not come on them, but, but they know. They know their remit. They know their job description. They know their task. Otherwise, they would not be in Galilee. And for Peter to say, I'm going fishing, is, is real. And I can stand here in front of you and say all things about Peter. Bless him. He is, you know, but he's showing us a, a human side that is very easy for us as people to drift and it's very easy for us as people to lose sight of the promises of Jesus. And personal experience shows that actually the way that I can lose sight of that is by coping with the things that I'm very good at. Sometimes the way I cope with that is with humor. I've learned a good thing in England, sarcasm. But that's my way of coping. And I can get very good at that. But in the same way, I mean, Ruth can approve of it, can't yeah. you? Know, she doesn't approve, but she can confirm that. But Peter says, I want to go fishing, because he's a fisherman. And this is not a story in the scripture that we make fun of fishermen. Although I love fish, I, I've got a friend of mine who, um, who, who posts pictures of how many fish he has caught in his fishing trips. And uh, when he's having a bad day, he shows pictures of bees and flowers. When he's having a good day, he shows the big fish that he has caught. I, I said I'm going to pick on Pete Wood, but... Um, I'm not going to say what he called last week. You can ask him after the service. Uh, but, but this is not a story. Pardon? Okay. No, no, he's not the very, sorry. No, thank you. Clarification there. No, there is another one. Um, but, but this is not a story to mock fishermen. But Peter says, I want to go fishing. And people follow him. And I said the responsibility of, of leadership and the power of leadership is, is crucial here. And being in Christian leadership for many years, even before I became a pastor, I, I can look back and I can see how easy it is to mislead people to the wrong place. Especially if it's done on human kind of 
promptness, I think this is a good idea. And it's not covered in prayer, it's not covered in that, but what is God saying into this? And also, what, what reminds me this is that actually the, the, the tendency for us is that because a particular thing or a program or something that has worked in a particular area should be copied and pasted in the rest of the world, and we should follow that. And I, and I think this is, this is something that, that the, the church, um, I mean, being in Albania and being the recipient of, of the different mission agencies and missionaries and stuff, has been like, um, I, I remember I, we used to have a, a key person in our lives, and uh, he used to say, oh, but this thing has worked very well, let's say, a random country, because I cannot quote him, um, in Moldova. And therefore, this program, this method, this thing should work in Albania. And then you try to implement it, and it doesn't go anywhere. But then you've wasted all the time and the resources and stuff. Because basically, you're relying on the, the people's expertise and experience. And sometimes, that could be a hindrance. And it's very clear in this passage that this fisherman had gone out all night and their experience was that going out in the night is a very good idea. Their experience is they knew when it was time to go out fishing. Peter was a really skilled fisherman. And yet... The story that John wants to know us to know is that even in his experience and even in his expertise, Peter failed. And what we hear, what we see here, is that we've got a man who's shouting from the shore, giving advice to a fisherman what to do. Now that doesn't go well in the fisherman's world. But what is surprising here is that this skilled fisherman listened to Jesus without knowing who he was. He says, guys, have you caught anything? No, we haven't. Well, I've got an idea. Why don't you throw the net on the right side? I remember the only time that I... I was interested in fishing was when I was in the Navy. I haven't told you a Navy story for a long time. So um, the, 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 the trick was that you'd wait for all the high officers to leave the base at four o'clock. And each and every one of us had a, a little stick here with a fishing line and a hook, just in case we had some space to go and fish in the, the, where, where the, the boats were um, anchored. And the beauty of it was that it became like a, a community event. And what worked for, for one of the guys didn't work for somebody, so it became a, a point of, of debate and conversation. And the best way to catch fish was actually not at 4 o'clock, because but it was towards the evening. And we had guys who had just finished their 
armed guard and they'll go with a torch and, and they'll just fish and, and get fish. But, but the whole idea was that trying to give advice to other people was almost impossible because everybody had got their own ways of doing it. And we were not experienced fishermen. We were just amateurs and we had a little bit of uh, advantage uh, in our side because the, 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 the bay where we were, it was quite safe and was like a haven for fish to come in even in bad weather because it was very well protected. But Jesus is saying to them, guys, you the fishermen out there that are at the real uh, at this boat, why don't you throw the net on the right side? And as I said, and as John tells us, they pick up on that advice and they follow it through. And it's very interesting to see that John is really passionate to know down that what happens here. And it's not, it's not unreal, and it's not that it's not expected, because they've seen Jesus do this before. And it says, throw the net on the other side, verse 6, of the boat, and you will find some. What does this guy know about fish? Well, he knows everything, because he's created them. When they did, they were unable to... Un- Hold the net in because of the large amount of fish. This is that momentary, that glorious moment of every fisherman to, to take a picture of the fish that they've caught and put it on Facebook because they've caught the fish. But before they do that, this is phenomenal. It's, it's the reaction that people have to what Jesus is doing. And, and isn't this how, how great God is that allows us to, to react to his revelation in the way that he has created us, in the way that we are? So, so what's happening here is Peter is doing what he always does. John is doing whatever he, he always does. So, so John is, John's response is revelation. He says, it is the Lord's. And that's sufficient for him in his heart. Peter is the one who is the reactionary one. He he gets the information from John. He trusts John. He trusts his his companionship. He trusts his walking with Jesus. And he jumps out the boat because he wants to go and see him. And then you've got the other five who are just benefiting from the abundance of of this miracle. And they're dealing with the results, the end results of Jesus' words. And isn't it great how things work in God's kingdom and how, how they should work in the community of faith? That when Jesus, the resurrected one, reveals himself to us, that we allow one another to respond, to react to that in the way that God wants us to react. And for, 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 I, think, I think for John, he, he, he just made, he connected the dots immediately. 
It's the Lord. No surprises here. He got the clues. He, he really expressed his reaction. For Peter, you know, he wants to go. Go for it. And he wants to go and present himself in a manner that he's seeing the Lord and Savior. He has to, 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 to put robes and stuff around him before he goes, although it's 100 yards. And for the, these other guys, they've got 153 fish to deal with. Because God has said, throw the net on the other side and you will find some. And behold, they have found it. And my last point and the most beautiful part of this passage is what comes in verse 12. That Jesus is cooking them a breakfast. He's sitting with them. And then he says, come and have some breakfast. And I love John's recap of the whole story. Silence struck. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Hallelujah. They knew it was the Lord. So in, in previous revelations, they, they've pondered, they've had a slower understanding. Now, they cannot do anything else but agree with John's revelation. It is the Lord's. Not only because they've seen the miracle, not only because they've listened to his word, but now there is this communion of hearts because Jesus is cooking for them breakfast and is breaking bread with them. And they all knew it was the Lord's. And John says, this now was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So what does this passage mean for us as Cairns Road then? What does it mean for us to be people of the risen King, the song that we have sang? How, how do we pursue what God is telling us in the light of our experience and expertise. How do we react when Jesus has revealed himself to us? And are we crazy enough to be who God has called us to be? And is our English reservedness stopping us to proclaim who Jesus is? Or perhaps allow that silence to speak so clearly into our hearts, into our minds, into our whole being, that it is the Lord's, because it could have not been otherwise. So what does this say about Jesus then for Cairns Road? 
Well, he has promised. He's promised to his disciples. And he has stuck through all the promises that he has made. And actually, although they've been on this kind of drift, come back, drift, come back mode, they still are experiencing the resurrecting Lord. Going back to the theme of grace, this is why grace becomes so real. Because if we find ourselves in drift modes, then we know where to go. To that place of the communion of hearts. Where Jesus is serving breakfast. And we are kept quiet because we know it's only him who can serve us breakfast that way. So do we want that, Cairns? Because I personally want it for myself. I want it for you. I want for us to live as people of the resurrected King. And we've got next Sunday, Pentecost uh, reminder, which actually we've got it better than John and Peter because that promise of the Holy Spirit is, well, at this stage better than because they experience the Holy Spirit. But we, 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 are on this, we are on the same boat with them because we are the recipients of the same power of the resurrection, which is resurrected Christ from the death. And that was the Holy Spirit. So how, how are we going to embrace that? So the challenge for us is that being people of the resurrected King, being people of the resurrected Christ, although we may drift, there is an opportunity for us to come back, to listen to what he's saying, and to experience the benefits of his grace because of our obedience. Do we want that? Well, Jesus is calling us to do that. And also we've got a terrible, not a terrible, but we've got a, 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 a terrible important task to to tell others about this Jesus. That's the whole point of this revelation here, that not only that they are met physically in their needs of food and stuff, but Jesus is meeting them spiritually. So they don't forget that actually, in the end of the day, although Peter likes fishing, the mandate that Peter had in Matthew chapter 2 is, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So Jesus not only has not forgotten the promises... But he has not forgotten the calling that he has given to his disciples. And he is calling them to account. So church, this is serious. Do we want to continue with the same mandate of telling people and becoming fishers of men? There's no Peters and Johns around. It's the task of the church. And if we're not going to do it, who's going to do it? Let's pray. So thank you, Father God, that we can learn from John's story of your revelation to your disciples. Thank you that not only you are the fulfiller of all the promises that you have made,
but also you keep us to account to the calling that you have made us and you have called us to be fishers of men. So Lord, would you rescue me? Would you rescue us from our expertise and experience? And would you allow us, Lord, to listen to the voice of the best missionary that ever lived this world, of the best teacher that ever taught on this world? And draw from that, Lord, the the, the, not only take heed and listen, but, but be the, the partakers in the blessing that that listening and obedience takes us to, Lord. Thank you that you are an amazing God. And in your revelation to us, Lord, we just don't want to miss that point of silence, that point of knowing in our hearts that it is you and don't dare to say it because it is you. But Lord, I pray that we come to that place because it can't be otherwise. It is you, the Lord. And I pray that that takes us to that place of of worship, Lord, that our response is that we worship you, the living and the resurrected Lord, and we live out our lives as that. So, Lord, the invitation earlier on was, come, people of the living King. And our response, Lord, is we come. We come because of Jesus. And in your name we pray, Lord. Amen.